Welcome to episode four of Nearsighted Podcast. I'm Brandon Williams, and with me is my co-host, Big John Eisner. How's it going, John? It's going, man. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be uh, probably our best episode yet. I mean, we haven't had many, but I, I still think it's probably going to be the best one yet. Yeah, and that's because we have a special guest with us today. John, you want to introduce our guest? Oh, I, I went back. I'm not joking. I went back and watched this guy's highlight reel. I mean, it was it was jam-packed. Tim Lindsay, former WVU long snapper. Now, Tim, I'm going to ask you a real quick question. All right. Is the statistic... Is the statistic really two tackles, or do you think they didn't credit you with enough? Oh, I'm sure there's a few uh, I, I didn't get credit for, but I'll take the two. I'll take it. All right. I love it. <laughs> How's it going, Tim? Oh, it's going great, guys. I really appreciate you uh, asking me to be on this, and uh, you know, I'm glad to be doing it. Yeah, well, if you uh, don't know Tim, you know, he, he played in the, the glory days of, of WVU football mm-hmm. back with, uh, with Rich Rod and, and Pat. Uh, McAfee, Pat White, Owen Schmidt, um, all the all the big names that you could think of whenever you think about WVU sports. Um, Tim, you want to tell us a little bit about you? You know how you got the WVU and maybe um, you know what you did afterwards and where you are now. Yeah, sure thing. Um, WVU was uh, you know a choice of I had a couple choices of colleges. A couple of people were offering me and talking to me, and you know I really wanted to go to WVU. You know, you know, story be told. But, uh, you know, when I started getting recruited and getting letters, I started exploring other options. Well, I talked to Coach Rod and a couple other schools. And, you know, one day I'm sitting in uh, my high school lunchroom in Bridgeport and he, someone taps me on the shoulder. And I'm like, all right, I turn around, it's Coach Rod. And right there and then he pulls me into the library and, you know, asked me if I want to be a Mountaineer. And, of course, I said yes. And uh, he also offered my twin brother a walk-on position. And we went and grabbed him, and we went in the library. They set up a press conference, and within an hour, I was a Mountaineer. You know, I did talk to other schools, and it was back and forth. But ultimately, the, the fact that Coach Rod came in there, did that, and I wanted to be a Mountaineer, I was like, you know, you know, stories told. And my older brother was a starting long snapper for West Virginia under Nealon from '96 to '99, so good chance to carry on a legacy. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, having the the long snap and you're in the bloodline, apparently, that's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, the funny part is uh, I wasn't recruited as a long snapper at all. I was recruited at the defensive end. And uh, in uh, summer camp, right before the season, I was uh, wearing blue jersey, and I was number 64. And uh, at one practice, you know, a couple tight ends got hurt. They made me catch some passes. And the next day I had a white jersey, and I was number 87. <laughs> so I was a tight end. Um, but then as my career went on, the you know, that next year the long snapper got hurt. And Coach Stu was credited with realizing I was Donnie Lindsay's little brother, and he told me to snap the ball, and that was pretty much the history of that. I apparently was good at it and switched my number to 77, and, oh, yeah. you know, the story <laughs> continued. Now, <laughs> so, so now, you wore Tim, many numbers? I, <laughs> I did. He, if I remember correctly, part of that story, which cracked me up, was uh, Coach Stu told you not to mess up the snap on purpose. Is that right? You heard correctly. I will never forget the day <laughs> the long snapper had got hurt. Uh, he was uh, two years ahead of me, and uh, he was out. And he looked at me at the end of practice when they were, like, figuring it out and said, who could snap? And I'm kind of standing there. I was like, you know what? I have to at least try. And Coach Stu looks around, and he looked at me. He goes, you're Donnie Lindsay's brother. You have to know how to snap. Now, snap the – blank ball and don't mess up which means 
don't mess up on purpose because I didn't want to do it. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of has that it, it has that stigma to it. A lot of people don't understand the the relevance of it at a high level, you know, and into the NFL. But, you know, a lot of guys don't want to take that responsibility or have to do it because, you know, one mess up, it's over and it's not as easy as it looks. And that kind of has that stigma. So he made sure to keep me in line. You know, <laughs> I, I snapped a couple balls and well, that was it. Yeah, the rest is I history. get what you're saying too. I get what you're saying exactly. too. I was, you know I, what I mean. When I when I played, I was a center, and uh, I refused to be long snapper because <laughs> I could not. I could not do it correctly. I'm sure it was like partially because I had a you know big old gut uh, and couldn't get the ball you know fast enough out, but uh, I, I couldn't do it. So every, every time I talk to a long snapper, I'm always like, that's one of the toughest positions that no one talks about. Yeah, no one knows who you are until we mess up or. You know, right. don't mess up at all. Go through your whole career yep. and uh, then finally get noticed. So it's like you're, yep. you're the unsung hero. And, you know, yep. if they don't know your name, you're doing your job. And the yep. stat is exactly. that you never had a bad snap, right? As the official I did, long snap. I did not. Yeah, awesome. I did not. Zero. Uh -uh. Zero. You, had a, you had a really good one, too, right? If I remember correctly, in 2006. Yeah, there was one that uh, stands <laughs> out. It was, it was a pretty good one. And uh, I think about it quite often. <laughs> you want to you want to take us through that? Uh, if those of you who don't know. um. Tim is the one who snapped the fake punt against Georgia in the 2006 Sugar Bowl that ended up leading to us being able to stall out the clock and, and beat Georgia by, was it just a couple points, right? Yeah, yeah, just just by three. We barely won, and that gave us enough time to run out the clock. Yeah, so you want to take us through that whole, right? uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've that's a huge, a huge deal. I mean, being in that kind of situation where the game is literally on the line, you're this unsung hero, and all you have to do, you know, saying it lightly, all you have to do yeah. is snap the ball correctly, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine if it rolled back there. I yeah. mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so oh, but no, the, a, the story, story. Is, the story itself, guys. I mean, there's a lot more to it um, from a from a team standpoint. You know, we ran the spread punt, and Coach Rod was one of the pioneers of it, and we did it really well, and we practiced special teams a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, Coach Rod and, the, and the, his crew took it very seriously, and you know they demanded like my snap times be you know the top, and you know the get off times to the kickers were the top, and they put a lot of pressure on us. But you know we were ready for it. So the one part that Georgia obviously wasn't aware of, and most of the fans weren't, is that we practiced that fake punt about every week, and sometimes multiple times in the week, and we refined it and had all year to do it. And the kickers and I would go up and even off to the side. Um, and run special drills to work on, like how we were going to time it. If you know Phil Brady was going to take certain steps and just manipulate it to we had it down, so they would could not tell it was coming. But then the other part, Phil Brady was fast. Phil Brady was real, no one knew that. You just see this little dude back there as punter, hmm. unassumingly, but he could run. So we took advantage of it, and you know we developed that fake punt. So, but it all kind of began with you know as we punted throughout the game, they they ran a normal punt return punt block. You know, multiple guys on the line, had the re returner back. No big deal. One of the caveats was throughout the season, you know, we talked about the two tackles. One of the reasons I got those two tackles really early in the first two games. <laughs> and then every time after that, they put a defensive back or a receiver on me. It was like a gnat flying around me the whole I couldn't outrun them, but they couldn't do anything to me. They just pretty much got in my way, yeah. you know, so they would turn. This guy would turn and run with down the field with me. He wouldn't even watch the ball. Whatever, wherever I went, he just ran with me. And... That was that had part, you know, partly to do with it, and that's kind of what we were hoping. So, 
the cool part, we run out to do this punt. We're almost to the 50. Clock's winding down. We're up by three, but we're, you know, we got a punt. So it's third down. Coach two says, hey, punt team. And, you know, we run out. It's fourth down. And we're close to midfield. And we weren't expecting a fake punt at all when we ran on the field. Not at all. Uh, we get about halfway out there. We cross the numbers. And I'm looking at the guy standing on the, over the ball for, the, for Georgia, and there's only like three on the line of scrimmage, four maybe. And everybody else is way off the ball. <laughs> and I get out there, and I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the guard beside me, the first protector, Phil Brady. And we all look at the sidelines, all thinking the same thing. And we were secretly kind of signaling that we wanted to do a fake punt. And we knew that we knew the booth already saw it. So it was a matter of, you know, seconds before everything got saw, like, like seen, figured out and relayed to us. But it felt like, you know, 20 minutes on the field and our minds waiting to get that, that go ahead. And the go ahead, we called it hammer. That was, that was what we called it. And, you know, coach Rod inevitably gave us the signal. And, at that time, you know, there was no time to think. Turn around. Every, we knew what to do. We were prepared. Yeah. Line up on the ball. I, lo- I look up. There, there that guy is right over top of me. He was one of the few guys on it right over me. So I knew, obviously, which way Phil Brady was going. And I was going to snap the ball and run the complete opposite. And that and hopefully this guy <laughs> would do what he's been doing. So, you know, get the, get the snap count. PP calls it. And I snap the ball. And I take off the opposite direction. And lo and behold, that dude turns and follows me. And I knew what was happening. I, I, I knew Phil caught it because it felt like a good snap. And it was. It was, one of, it was one of my fastest snaps. And Phil, if you watch the video, you can, you can see him kind of cheat for like a little bit right before the snap. And boom, he was gone. And I'm running the opposite direction. And I, I hear the crowd. I can just hear the crowd. I couldn't see what was going on. But I heard the crowd go nuts, so I knew it was good. And I turn around, and I see Phil sliding and get blasted for the first down. And I look at the guy on Georgia, and I go, hey, check that out. He turned around and slapped the ground and like started getting on the head and ran off the field and everybody's going absolutely nuts. But I don't know if a lot of people realize Phil Brady got jacked on that play, oh, like yeah, absolutely yeah. rocked and hurt his shoulder. So I mean, he was like with the trainers after the, after the game when we're all celebrating, but you know, that's kind of how it went down. Georgia just pretty much handed us the opportunity and we were prepared for it. And that's what it came down to. And it was beautiful and it, it set the tone and, all we had to do is run the clock out, and that was it. Yeah, you can even see in the amazing. video. It's 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 funny because I watched it back several times, and uh, you could see in the video you're like you're like running to China, like you're you don't even look <laughs> yeah, back. You're like, gone. You're gone. Nope. And, and then you you kind of see you, you start coming back once you realize what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You start coming back, and it's like, yeah, well, I think he uh, executed that perfectly because <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> if he knew where the ball was at that point. I mean, that, that that's it because I knew that guy was going to follow me, and I had to yeah. sell it, man, and. Because he was fast. He could have had time to get over there to fill. Yeah. But he was more worried about me not making the tackle. So, he, hey, he helped us out. So, <laughs> kudos awesome. to that guy. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, but, yeah, I know earlier you kind of touched on um, NFL stuff. You, you did have a little a little stint in the NFL with a few different teams. You know, kind of walk us through, you know, life after WVU. Yeah, um, it was kind of weird. Like, my junior year after that game, um, that was my junior year. So, I became a senior. And. I immediately started getting, you know, letters from agents and I'm like, you know, what? <laughs> you know, and coach uh, Rod kind of pulled me off to the side and he was like, you know, we got to, we got to nurture this. You're going to snap at the next level, you know, so keep going. And then at that point in time, that's when he, I wasn't allowed to be on the scout team or do or any, or even any other team. I was, I helped with some other special teams, wasn't allowed to do that uh, just to not get hurt because I didn't really have a backup and 
if you take me out, you subsequently take McAfee out yeah. of kicking and Phil, you know, that year because Phil Brady graduated. So, you know, I focused on it, kept honing my craft, really worked on it. And this, after the season, like it was almost over, I had lots of, you know, letters from agents and getting some notifications to let me know teams were watching me. And I, I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm going to pursue it. And, you know, but I still kept my, my education goals of going to med school. That was, that was the plan. Well, as the draft got closer, I mean, I found an agent, you know, I went to, you know, workouts after I graduated and teams would call me. I was talking to, you know, the Green Bay Packers, the Redskins uh, and the Atlanta Falcons and um, Buffalo a little bit. That was the main teams talking to me, you know, before the draft. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Some teams were saying 100 percent. But at that year, there's a lot of older guys who were like on their last year. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of unsure if they're going to be healthy. So everybody was looking for a long snapper. And I was found I was ranked one of the top long snappers in the nation. So it kind of worked. And as the draft day arrived, my agents were all together, family. Uh, I get a phone call from the Redskins and the Packers. And they're both kind of going back and forth. And finally, the Redskins even mentioned, that, hey, uh, we have one more pick left. We need, you, we need you and a linebacker. So let's see what happens as the last pick comes. And they considered picking me for their last pick. Then they called me and they're like, hey, we, we need this linebacker. We couldn't get one. You know, if we promise to sign you at the minute the draft's over, would you want to be a Redskin? So, and the Packers were mentioned wanting to sign me. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. Well, the draft ended like two seconds went by before the TV can even go off. And it was the coach for the Redskins. And I, he offered me to, to play for him. So I headed down there and uh, they had an older guy who was, you know, potentially couldn't pass the physical. Well, he ended up passing it and, uh, you know, they let me go and the Atlanta Falcons immediately picked me up for the same situation. Well, their guy passed their physical and then they, they uh, let me go and then called me back in like another week and brought me back on because he wasn't, didn't pass the physical again. And all of a sudden the Seahawks call me and knew I was in this situation. And then the, the Falcons ended up, you know, he passed it. They released me. The minute I got released, Seattle calls and says they want to sign. Me. Well, I'm like, all right. So I go there. I snapped like it was probably middle of winter at this time. Like it was snowing a little bit. And they signed me and I snapped like three balls in their out in their indoor like training facility. And the coach is like, that's all I need. You're a foul, you're a Seahawk. And I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's all that's all it took. So, you know, I got to play, but there's a little caveat to that story. Um uh they were in the same situation. All three teams. They had an older guy. Wow. Well, wow. He passed his physical. They let me go. Well, I'm like, all right, now it's almost, you know, midsummer. Season's almost ready to start. And uh, I'm getting ready to get married at the time. And we get married. I go on my hunt. We leave for a honeymoon. And we're, like, driving to the resort. And my phone rings. This is Saturday. And it comes up Seattle Seahawks. And immediately, my wife at the time starts bawling. Bawling. I answer the phone. And they're like, where are you? I was like, I'm in Florida. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm going to my honeymoon. And they're like, well, get on a plane and get to Seattle. You're playing on Monday Night Football. Oh, my gosh. I was like, wow. And I was like, um, all right. And immediately, uh, I did not have the happiest person with me at the time. So yeah. <laughs> I turned around. I turned around. Uh, she flies back to her, her family, and I, I flew to Seattle. I land to a media storm thinking that was the funniest thing in the world, and I left my team <laughs> to play football. 
and they made a they made a, a big thing of it. It was it was funny, and uh, so I I made my start um, against the Bears on Monday Night Football, and uh, we won by a last minute field goal by three uh, from the left hash on the twenty six. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, that was that was uh, that was my first play, but you know a lot of people didn't know that. But so after that, played a couple more games, and hey, I was I was on the team. I made it. Well, yeah. I I ended up getting sick and have to uh, and having to hang it up. I I had a medical issue that forced me to cut my career short. And you know the Seahawks were a great team and were behind me and would check up on me, but it wasn't football related, so they didn't have a choice. They had to let me go. You know, so I did get better. I'm good now, but uh, that ended it prematurely. And a lot of people don't know that story. It wasn't something I was like I put out there. Everybody just knows I, I didn't get to play the rest of my career. But that's the story, and that's awesome. there's there's some funny parts to it. The funny story uh, that I mentioned has to do with that what that that particular my first game, and it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, walk um, us through that funny story. I'm I'm ready. I'm, I'm oh, invested at this point. Oh, you ready? <laughs> you got it. You ready? All right. So the the whole game. You guys remember uh, Devin Hester, the returner for the yeah, Bears, Hall of Fame return man. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, good. yeah. Kind of fast, kind of good at right. changing yeah, directions pretty, pretty and running. Quick, yeah, old, yeah. Number twenty-three. Yeah, you got it. I'll never forget that man's face or his number. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> but that's not the funniest part of the story. That's you know, as part of it. Um, do you remember this? There's this linebacker that was good. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Brian uh, Erlacher. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy who went from bald to full head of hair in a second. Incredible yep. man. And I mean, he was he was sort of kind of known for killing people. You know, on the field <laughs> yeah. on the field. Let's yeah. be clear. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the first play, my my first NFL play, is a punt, and the whole sideline of the Seahawks—they're all like giving me crap, hitting me on the head. You know, get in there, get you know. They're all excited, and we go in there and we do the first punt. It went off, you know, good. We we're fine. Come back off. We have to, you know, they they get the ball. We get the ball back. We have to punt again. This time we punt. And I'm running down the field, and this time Devin Hester catches it and actually has a chance to return it. <laughs> Devin Hester managed to make all 11 of us look like we never played football. I had a beeline on him. I, I was like, this is great. He's on the sidelines. Another dude's almost right beside me that's on my team. He was the guard. We're, we're cutting him off. We go to make the tackle, and uh, well, no one was there. Put it that way. <laughs> we go we go diving into the sidelines. Devin Hester literally hit the brake, stopped on a dime, jumped to the left, and kept going as we slid into the sidelines. Oh, and he wow. then after that he managed to do that to everybody else as he ran into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, that wasn't the most fun, but you know, it happened to all of us on the field. He he destroyed everybody. Uh, he was amazing moment for you guys right there. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it wasn't fun the next day talking about it in film, but uh, you know, so, you know, the game goes on and we, we score on the next drive, we score a touchdown. So now I'm going, going on for my first uh, extra point. Right. Well, I'm running out in the field and like, we've been practicing like I've had before, but I was just back on the Seahawks last minute. So I haven't gotten many reps with these guys in the last few months, but I knew them. They knew me. And uh, the two guards beside me were running out, and they're like, "Hey, Rook, uh, hold your water." I was like, "Why?" And that I don't know if you guys know what that means, but it's like, you know, get ready, you're going to get hit, like yeah. something's coming. Yeah. I'm like, "Why?" It's an extra point, you know. So I go, I run over, get over the ball, I kind of get things set up, and look, check the hold, check the holder. You know, I'm looking between my legs, 
And I just, I go to glance up and there are certain rules where they can line up. They can't line up right over top of me, but about three yards off the ball standing there's number 54. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and right then the guard taps me on the leg, hold your water, Rook. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, fair. Well, I mean, I snapped the ball, perfect snap. And our operation times at that level are so quick. Like if you're not in the backfield, you're not getting it. So I saw the ball get kicked. It hits the net. I heard it hit the net. I knew it was good. The next thing I know, I'm looking at the sky. Oh, Brian, er- <laughs> Brian Erlacher ran me over. You know, on my feet are like four and a half, five feet apart. Like they're spread out. You can't really protect yourself. Yeah. But he he literally lifted me up and just put me on my back and reaches down, picks me up, says, great job, rookie, smacks me on the back. And the rest of the game, he never touched me. <laughs> And the guards are die, die and laughing. They knew it was coming. The NFL moment. Yep, I was <laughs> I was set up after the game. He even came up to me yeah. laughing and said, "Told me a good job," yeah. and it was it was cool. But the the best part about it was, we were the game was tied. There's like nine or ten seconds left. We're on the left hash. Field goal. Brandon Katu is the kicker. We run out. He nails it from the left hash. We win the game. And about 2 a.m. that day, I got drug tested randomly by the NFL. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I'm like, what? Because I made some snaps. You think the, the snappers used it? Steroids? That's crazy. No, it's because you survived an Erlacher yeah, hit. Good. That's what it was. It, it like, probably was. You know, and then I get, the, yeah. I get to the film the next day, and they have it on repeat in the film room, me just getting jacked up. Thought it was hilarious. Of course. Yep, you know, of so course. that's that that's one of the moments I, I will never forget. And, you know. Luckily, my family and my closest friends who knew I was playing got to watch all of it. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, that was that was my stint. But you know, that was a great opportunity. It sucks I got you know had to get sick, and but I still teach snappers today, and had guys I've gotten help get full ride scholarships to college, and you know it was an opportunity that gave me the opportunity to give back. So I don't regret it all at all, and I do it again in a heartbeat. That's awesome. Yeah, Brandon. Yes. You know what? Uh, after listening to Tim talk, uh, do you know what I just learned? Oh, that I'm the weakest I, person on this podcast. <laughs> no, that I, uh, I have always been correct on one thing. Out of the assessment of every football player with the last name Brady, Phil is the most athletic, followed by Tom. I've always thought that, and now it's been proven. <laughs> That's great. That. That is Phil great. Brady forever. Phil Brady, Phil Brady forever. Oh, that, that guy. I mean, I still talked to him. I actually talked to him last week. He's a good dude. We we reminisce <laughs> all the time. Oh, uh, it's it's funny. He was a hell of a punter too. Like he was legit. It wasn't like that was like his only moment. Like he was good. No, he was consistent. He took it very yeah. ser- very seriously. Like and and I loved it. He was always like the punter. Like he didn't like skip on workouts. He wasn't one of those guys. He was. You know, he wanted to do the best he could. He earned that spot. Like he he struggled through, you know, the rigors of a five years on D one to get his opportunity to yeah. senior year to start. And he took the most advantage of it. And I'm, you know, couldn't be happier or prouder for him when he achieved all that. Yeah, and then he gets um completely destroyed by a Georgia defense that's really pissed off that they just let uh <laughs> they just let a fake on the weirdest formation of a punt that uh, that was like when WVU did like the 
um, like oh, I can't even. I don't know what you guys called it. It was a weird setup for the punt, spread punt, right? Oh, it was a spread punt. Yeah, it, that yeah, that was like yeah. the start of we were like the start of when it all became a thing. Right. So yeah. it was new back then. A lot of people didn't know how to handle it, but by that time, people knew how to cover us. But it was still new to the to NCAA. Yeah. Yeah, you could just tell too, like the Georgia kids just all drop back as if they're they know they're going to return this punt. Obviously, times winding down, but. Perfect, perfect moment. But yeah, Phil Brady, whoever's listening should go watch that. And uh, (laughs) obviously, obviously reminisce about like how great it was to beat Georgia. But then just everyone should donate to Phil Brady's like favorite cause just based off of that hit, like the hit he took, because not only does he like hurt his shoulder, but like if I'm no doctor, but his leg wraps around him maybe two or three times. Like, I don't know if legs can do that. But holy he cow. was a little concussed too. He did his, he was yeah. a little, yeah, he was. He kicked himself in the face. Like, that's how hard he got hit. It was incredible. <laughs> so oh, I'm sure he still Brady. feels Phil it. Phil than Tom. Phil than Tom. That's how I'm keeping it. Yep. Oh, I that's agree. great. Well, boys, let's get into uh, a little bit of a review of, of last week with WVU and move forward through the show. Um, but before we do that, we do want to give a short little shout-out to WVU Basketball. They did get their first regular season win last night. Josh Eilert, first Coach's win. first win. Yep, that's a, that's a big deal. And, I mean, the first half didn't look didn't look super great, but there were some really good halftime changes came out, and they just completely took control of the game. It was, it was nice to see. I, I was there uh, in the nosebleeds, but I was there, and it was a, it was, it was a good time. They did they did really well handling pressure that second half. That's what I was worried about. As soon as they went to pressure, uh, especially full court, I was like, all right, this is where you tell whether or not a team is is ready to go, especially early season. But they handled pressure well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that they can fix. But first game, I mean, you can't ask. And a lot of people think like, oh, it's just, you know, uh, some underdog team. That team is actually good. They won 16 games last year. And had a ton of injuries. I heard Tony say that every single player on their team started a game last year, including the walk-ons of that team because of how injured wow. everybody was. Yeah. And they still won 16 games. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they're also, that's probably the hardest, one of the hardest, you know, first game of the year that WVU's had in a while. But they're, you know, projected to potentially be a tournament team in some capacity, so... They're not they're not just your normal warm up game, that's for sure. But yeah, congrats Agreed. Josh and, and team. Again, you know, we're here for you all year and, and we'll we'll get to talking more about you guys uh maybe come December or so. But uh anyways, let's get into the review of last week's game against BYU. This game was uh, look, I'm just going to say it, Brandon. All right. And Tim, you're here to witness this too. We okay. were spot on, spot on. We, the entire time we said that BYU had nothing for us. Uh, <laughs> turns out that was not a lie. Uh, Tim, I'm, I'm assuming, or I'm sure that you watched this game. What was your initial reaction to this game? Uh, I mean, initially like I'm watching it and we're up, we're doing great. And I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. And it just kept, going and to the point my <laughs> six-year-old daughter was even like 
is BYU even good? <laughs> <laughs> are they a team? Yeah, it turns oh, out yeah, they, yeah. they were five and three. So yeah, they're they're not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to explain that to a six year old, but I was like, you know what, we are, and I, I was impressed, and it continued. So. Yeah, yeah just so. just an overall dominant game. I mean, the most complete game that we've played, I, I think you would say, Brandon, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like Neil touched on, there were some things special team wise that we got to clean up. We you know we got one called back on us. Uh, they they took it to the house, and there was a hold that uh, I still mm-hmm. haven't seen yet. But they called yeah, a hold, and and they it it uh, reversed that seven points for them. But yeah, there was there was something on special teams they could definitely clean up. But I mean, overall, like the the past game was where it you know needs to be. It needs to be a little bit better, obviously. But you know, baseline where it needed to be, and then obviously the running backs just did what they wanted the whole game. So that was uh awesome to watch. Incredible. I mean, White goes for one forty six, nine point one average. CJ goes for one oh two on fourteen attempts, two touchdowns, seven point three average. Now everybody's like wow the running backs played great no 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 no. those big dogs ate that's yeah. how you get the run game going look running backs are, are an essential element of the run game obviously but if those big boys up front aren't winning the battle in the trenches it's over you're not getting you're not going to average 7.3 and 9.1 without an incredible display of blocking from your offensive line and winning the battles up front so, I mean, that was fantastic to see overall. And, and look at Garrett, too. Like, he had time, which we kind of said at the, the last episode, we said uh, their defensive line wasn't the best. But you obviously still have to go up against them uh, and never know what's going to happen. You kind of hinted at the the pass game. Uh, you also uh, have a little note in here about Garrett. And I know he's your boy, but there's a little bit of a critique you have, Brandon. What is it? Yeah, I mean... I love the guy. I mean, again, we we're gonna we're gonna get him on here eventually at some point. But mm-hmm. um, you know, he just needed to. He doesn't have the touch yet on the short passes. Like his mm-hmm. downfield passes are like probably, you know, <laughs> definitely top in the Big Twelve. But I'm saying nationwide, he's he's throwing some of the best balls down the field of anybody. And but his short passes just they have to improve. And and a lot of that, you know, like you you say, he's. He's getting happy feet and he's not setting his feet um, and maybe trying to move around a little too much when he's trying to make those you know layup passes. But I would say if we had to give him a criticism, that would be the the only real thing that he needs to improve on is just getting those those free passes when there's nobody around and it's ten yards in front of you. Tim, this is obviously Garrett Green is kind of like a I wouldn't say polarizing figure, but you know he is somebody that has been largely debated uh, on the WVU front. Uh, what's your take on on Green? Oh, Green, I think he's uh, he's coming into his own. You know, mm-hmm. having you know, the offensive line giving him his chances to kind of do his thing. You know, he's dangerous with his feet, always a threat there. And as he has more time to get, you know, more of a threat in the passing game, then, you know, they kind of start respecting that. And then his feet become even more of a weapon. So I think he's somebody that is still developing but doing a heck of a job. And I can't wait to see him and watch him every week. Yeah, I mean, he's just an electric player right now. Uh, but Garrett, or Brandon and I agree with you. The, the happy feet have to kind of slow down. And that's going to come with with maturity. I mean, that that's just how it is. He's a young quarterback. He hasn't started a ton of games. Yeah, he's like he's seven playing the ball. At this point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing extremely well for uh, what he 
you know, has behind him and is able to do. Um, now, the other person that needs <laughs> to be discussed on this podcast <laughs> is my favorite player, the most hardworking player on this team. Doesn't just catch balls, says, you know what? I'm bored. Time to return some kicks, fellas. Preston Fox. This dude, ha- he'll, he catches everything. Look, catches what? Uh, miraculous catch in the end zone. I don't know how he holds on to that ball. Yeah, that's that. That was uh, crazy. And what's funny is, is Garrett comments on it and he's like, yeah, we both saw that the, the opportunity was there. So we made it happen. It was like, what? Like there was like four like BYU people just waiting for the ball. And somehow it goes Doesn't straight matter. into Preston Fox's hands. If Fox is there, you know, it, it's, it's like the old saying goes, screw it, Preston Fox is somewhere. That's so you right. just heave it down the field. Fox is going to catch it. But that catch was phenomenal. And I told you, I th- it's obvious that Garrett trusts him. Yeah. And he's kind of his, uh, like I like to call him, like his Edelman, right? He's the guy he can go to in those type of situations. And he knows he's going to hang on to the ball. Um, Tim, you like Preston Fox? Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. I, uh, you know, kind of have... <laughs> I kind of know him vicariously through his parents and he's a great kid. I, I knew him when he was younger and to see him come up and do this, this is, I mean, amazing. And especially being a West Virginia boy, I kind of have love a it. soft spot, in my heart for those guys, you know, just to be honest, I was one. So, you know, I love to mm-hmm. see it and I love the fan support behind him. Dude, he's yeah. incredible. He is, he, in my opinion, is the most complete wide receiver we have. Now, do I think that I would he's agree. the most ad- athletic? I don't know. But he is the most complete wide receiver. He's the guy you can go to when you need to complete a pass. Like if it's fourth and three, right? That's the guy you go to, which you kind of think like you look at like a guy like Carter and you're like, oh, that's the the man. No, 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 no. Preston Fox is the guy you go to if you want that conversion. That's just how it is right now. Yep, that's in the, that's definitely the case. And it's it's showing every single week as as he makes big plays and keeps us in the game and you know we uh we've been really relying on him and and i think that some of that sometimes i'm sure tim you could probably attest to this but whenever someone relies on you for something and it's such a big um situation like you know the games in the line things like that and you just keep performing over and over again like that's that's a real man right there and and preston fox is the man oh brandon you make a great point and you know, that's a lot a lot of people don't understand. The other part is it like the better he keeps doing, the more teams are going to target him, practice for him, and prepare for him. And mm-hmm. if he keeps stepping up to that challenge each and every week, that's just going to solidify him more and more of you know the player we all think he is right now. Absolutely. That's that is a fantastic point too. If you go back and, and look at BYU's press conferences, they knew who Preston Fox was. It wasn't like this guy was out of the blue. Like they knew that Garrett was going to go to him and he still showed up. And Tim's right. Like when a guy continues to show up, even when the other team is planning or game planning around you, that means you got a, you got a dude on your hands at that point. Like he's ready to go every week. Yep. Um, man, press the fuck. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, Preston Fox, he'll be on the show. Don't worry better be i'll tell him to his face how good he is that's right i'm right to his face uh onto the defense uh, as far as the review goes three sacks eight tfls mm-hmm. did, did we say that's mm-hmm. what needed to happen or i can't remember pressure rate very high very very high yep. you made a very young quarterback 
very uncomfortable. He had like a 48 QBR. Uh, he was not comfortable the entire night. I will say though, and 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 I think that while the the score wasn't there and the overall performance wasn't there, there were there were some bright spots for him, and I think that he's mm-hmm. he's going to be a force to re- be reckoned with in in the coming years for for BYU. I think that he looks looks like he could be a, a pretty solid quarterback with some more time in D one football. Oh yeah, I mean he was solid at JUCO too. I mean he was the I think the top JUCO quarterback coming out. Um, he's he's solid. He's definitely better than Slovis. Yes, yeah, uh, which Slovis. Slovis. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Uh, he he didn't even play. I was so scared. Hey, uh, Brandon, your boy on the defensive side of the ball. I know I know he's your boy, so I'm gonna let you say his stat. Uh, big big tackle game. For him, yeah, Lee Koba, eight tackles. Lee Koba is my boy. I've I've been high on Lee Koba since the day that he showed up for for uh, fall workouts a few few years ago, and I was like, this guy. Just listening to him talk, like he knows ball. Uh, he's like the type of player that when you hear him talk about football, you can tell he just really cares. And whenever you have a player who's good and really cares about the craft, it's it's just a no brainer. That guy's gonna be great. So, and we're, we're seeing that this year, he's matured a lot from last year. Uh, he had big numbers last year, but this year it's just, there's, there's, there's no other clear leader on the defense right now. Yeah. There's uh there's always, we always talk about coaches and like, you know, he's a coach I'd run through a brick wall for, but there are players like that too. And he definitely is the guy on defense. Tim, can you think of a guy that you played with who was like that? He was, you know, super motivating, kind of got the, the squad going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, the first guy that comes to mind was, uh, you know, was big Dan Moses, number 76. Oh, he was, yeah. uh, you know, he was one of my, uh, him and I, I have the pleasure to say that me, him and Jay Henry and Brandon miles were the, the, t- the team captains my senior year. And Dan was one of those guys that like, you know, we all kind of were, but he was you know, stepping up, keeping guys in line. And when things went awry, you know, coach Rod didn't have to say anything. You know, there was Dan, and, we, and everybody respected it. They never got mad at him for saying something to you. You knew he was doing it because he cared and he wanted to win. So, I mean, he's the first person that comes to my mind. That was the person I was hoping that you would say, by the way. I had a little insider information on that. Uh, and <laughs> so the person that I spoke to uh, about this compared him to The Undertaker in WWE uh, because the Undertaker used to be the guy in the back who, like, when something would go awry with a with a, another wrestler, he would like be the judge, jury, and executioner, and would make sure that they got back in line. And I had kind of heard that Dan was that way, so that was the guy I wanted. I was hoping that you'd mention. Oh, he totally was, and I mean, but off the field, nicest guy, you know, you yeah. know, good, good friend, calm person. But he put that helmet on, and you know, he flipped the switch, as Coach Rod would say. <laughs> He was a dude. He was definitely a dude. Definitely a dude. Uh, a couple more people uh, to talk about here on defense. Yeah. We've got uh, Ben Cutter, who obviously he's a freshman standout. He's kind of got thrown into this role. Um, everyone talks about how much he's already developed. When it, and it's obvious if you look at he's everywhere. I mean, he is playing the linebacker role very well. Um, he's really filling in for where Trey Lathan kind of left off before he got hurt and. We're seeing him more now with the getting more comfortable with those pressures, and he was able to almost get home a couple of times with BYU. But overall, I mean, he's just played a hell of the last two two games. He will be. I'm calling it now. Not next year, but the year after. He will be a 
all Big 12 player. Yeah. That's how good Ben is. Like he's able he is one of the fastest pure pure speed guys, fastest linebacker slash back, whatever you want to call him. Uh the way that he cuts and can get across the field is incredible for a guy that is still his size. Like he not only can look, we talked about Erlacher earlier, right? A guy that can just kill dudes. He is that guy, but he is so fast on the field. It is fantastic to watch. And once he gets, I think once he gets going in this system more, I mean, it's only up from here and that's, that's incredible to say. Yeah. We also had really good this uh, at BYU at least this last week. We we had really good safety play, and I know we we're going to mention Aubrey Burks just because he's kind of that leader mm-hmm. in that part of you know the defense. But uh, Anthony Wilson is also he is somebody that I was really intrigued because of his um, preseason statements about modeling his game after Carl Joseph. And anytime that name gets brought up, as both of you probably know. <laughs> That 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 is that's that's the, the the most hype way you can describe playing defense is playing like Carl Joseph. So I've been watching him closely, and this was by far his best game. I don't know his tackle stats or anything like that, but uh, off the top of my head, but he had some major major hits, and one of them uh, it went from being a caught ball to being an incomplete pass just by him hitting them. So uh, then yeah. I think there was a play where. He, they kind of did like a little screen plat screen pass and he came out of like deep downfield full speed and just wrecked the guy and it, it stopped him short i think it was the third or fourth down and i mean he's a guy that, that i'm really excited about i think he has, still has a couple more years of eligibility too and overall i mean some people have been pointing this out on twitter and other social media but Overall, we have a pretty young team right now. Like our starting players are extremely young. We're we're only losing a couple of guys to to aging out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, look, I'm gonna pat myself on the back again, because uh, <laughs> because I'm so glad we're talking about him. I said that Wilson was the complete safety that we needed. Burks was still. It was I think after the last loss that we had. Uh, Burks played a terrible game, and we had talked about that. Um, but today, I just want to say welcome to the season, Aubrey. We we appreciate you showing up. Uh, and that's not a slight to him. He is just so good on the field. You just expect so much from him. Yeah. And I felt like on against this BYU team, we finally got the the guy that we signed up for. Like that was the dude right there. I mean, what he was able to do. It, Maybe it's a comfort thing, too. Like, we don't know what's going on in that locker room or the defensive scheme or what's changing. And it could be that, you know, Leslie has kind of figured out what Burks is really good at and how Wilson can help and all these other things. But it looks like we're starting to get a complete safety uh, play from both sides. Uh, I don't know if you've you've noticed this, Tim, or not. Um, We talked about the safeties being very critical on this team. Um, have you noticed anything about that? Yeah, they've definitely been stepping up. And that's always, I feel, in the recent years, been kind of our one of our crutches that teams you yeah. know, attacked. And it's good to see that's getting turned around and it's making a giant difference. You know, overall, we're winning. And when, and when that happens, yeah. that's been something we've missed. And now we're getting it back and look what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, BYU yeah. was Great a team who, you know, they were like, what, 75% pass 
and we held the seven points, you know, and everyone wants to talk about how bad our passing defense is or has been. And they came to play. I mean, you're talking like, again, like a team that they're known for throwing the ball and we were able to stop them to the point where they only got seven points, which wasn't scored until like seven minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. So almost yeah, it was garbage. Game. It was garbage time. Yeah. yeah, it was garbage time. Yep. And that was a complete game from that defense. Uh, last person shout out. He's not even in our notes, but I feel like we have to every week. Beanie Bishop. My oh, God, yeah. that guy can play. Oh yeah. That dude can play press man. He is the, at least one of the best corners that we've had who can naturally play press man. And if you look, we play a lot of zone and we always have historically, but I feel so comfortable whenever he is one-on-one just on an island with himself. Tim, you said, yeah, there, you noticed Beanie as well. Oh, but definitely. When I see that happen, I'm watching him because it's fun to watch because you know, you know, if the ball's coming his way, something's going to happen and you know, he brings like an intensity when you know he just steps up and turns it on, and I, it's fun to watch. And I'm glad we're we have that. That's something I'm used to having when I played. And you know, they have having a guy like that at corner is a big deal. Huge, huge deal. And not only that, even when he gives up, you know, short routes, which that's going to happen. Everybody exactly. Uh, there are a lot of people who who overreact on those things. That's that's football, man. Like these wide receivers are some of the fastest human beings. You're literally backpedaling to get in position and then going as fast as you can towards this guy. These passes and these catches are going to happen, and that's okay. But the way that you react is what you should really look at. And Beanie Bishop has the fastest reaction time on this team. It's not even close. What he is able to do after a offensive player catches the ball is fantastic. Like I said, I have no worries about him being on an island by himself because I know that that he's the dude out there. Yeah, totally, totally concur with that. I mean, watching him play has been a breath of fresh air, especially with the couple, the last couple of years as far as defensive backs go. And that's it was probably, if not the biggest win in the transfer portal for us in the last few years. Yeah, massively underrated. Yeah. Imagine being the school that didn't play him enough. I mean, that's why he left is, is he wasn't getting the playing time and uh, doing the things that he wanted to do. And now he comes here and he's well, flourishing and, you know, thank God for that. Yeah. Number, number one, in the nation and past defended and past breakups and like number eight. And is that good? Uh, no, nah, it's all right. I mean, okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay. Well, I just, it's so hard to hear that because, you know, I always hear how bad, WVU's defense is just number one is so weird to me. I just figured one was worst, you know, according to some people. Yeah, well, just you, great you know, uh, you know, who's hear. going to learn that our defense isn't bad this week? Oh, I've got a feeling you're going to tell me <laughs> it's Oklahoma. Oh, yep. And it's going to be a test for this defense that just came off a very good week because yeah. O- yeah, Oklahoma is, is going to be. Uh, it's it's what we talked about with UCF about how stout their offense is, but they've actually played good teams this year, and mm-hmm. so they're averaging 490 total offense against teams that are very good. One of those teams being Texas, and uh, they also played Oklahoma State. Um, and it, it's just like I I don't think that that we've we've played an offense that's really as good as this one can be. Now the last few weeks and these close games and these losses, they're not taking care of the ball very well. 
And you can see that in seven fumbles, three interceptions uh, coming from a team that you go back to the stats prior to that and they didn't have interceptions or fumbles almost the whole year. Now they're at seven fumbles and three interceptions in three games. So there's something going on and hopefully we can take advantage of that. But, <laughs> but uh, I'll let you get into the, the, the players uh, specific, John. Yeah, I mean, you said it, 490 total offense, 312 in the air. That's Dylan Gabriel. That dude, look, he's young. I think he was the quarterback at UCF at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lefty dual threat. He is by far the best quarterback we've faced this year. Uh, it's not a question to me. Uh, 2,646 yards, 20 touchdowns, and five picks. Now, you just said it, though. It's five picks, but he's only, you know, he's had three in the last three games. That's a big deal. Yeah. So there's been some issues there. Uh, he has eight rushing touchdowns. He's good at moving. We know that he can extend the pocket and look for Oklahoma to do what Oklahoma does, which is heavy play action. Uh, they're very RPO specific. Uh, it's just one of those things. That they run this offense well, but you're right. Over the course of the last few games, they've struggled. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really weird. It's like after a bye week, which you know people talk about this. They say the bye week, you either come back and you're rested, or you come back and you're sluggish. And it just seems like the bye week really, really kind of ruined Oklahoma. But um, look for them to probably be coming back, wanting to finish the season out strong. So we're gonna we're probably gonna get their best. Um, but I think they're gonna get our best. We've got a chip on our shoulder. Neil Brown wants to finish this. Um, this match, this rivalry, this matchup, whatever you want to call it, um, that they've we've had these close games the last like four or five years, and he is really kind of put a pin in this, I think, um, with the way that the last time we played in in Norman went, where they they walked off a field goal on us, and so I expect that we're going to to bring our all on defense here, and I think this will hopefully be the best performance we've seen out of the defense yet in shutting out or not shutting out, but shutting down a Oklahoma offense yeah tim have you have you watched any of the oklahoma games this year have you seen anything on them i've watched a few of the games not like full you know i get i try to keep mm -hmm. the games on and, and, and listen but you know oklahoma's definitely always one of those teams that you can't take lightly no matter how good or bad they're doing it's oklahoma and we're coming off a big win we have some bit confidence we can't get comfortable and they have to you know bring everything this game we don't want this to be the game that you know, stops us. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. And, and as a former player, I got to ask this because I always, I, anytime I talk to a former player, especially at a high level, like you, I always want to hear the truth. Are there such things as letdown games? Oh, 100%. I, I can tell you the one that I, that haunts me to this uh, day. Yeah. Let's hear it. Um, my junior year, the year we won the sugar bowl, um, South Florida, our yep. only loss. Yep. And I know we were super confident. We were just like, hey, let's roll through <laughs> these guys. And they slapped us in the face. And uh, that's why we, you know, were in the Sugar Bowl instead of the national championship. And that game will haunt me. And that's exactly what happened. We were prepared, but we just weren't mentally focused. We just thought we just want to keep rolling over everybody like we have been. They played with us. We kept them in the game. We gave them an opportunity and they took advantage. Yeah, man, South. I gotta, I gotta say, they were such an Achilles heel for us. They were a team that we should have always, 
you know, lined up against and just blown out, but they always seem to hang around with us. I mean, they had some good teams, don't get me wrong, but that was a team that we should have matched up better uh, against, but they just seemed to always kind of have our number, at least to stick around. I mean, they were pretty good against us, at least. Yes, they were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brandon, have you looked at any of these running backs on Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, they've got two guys that are kind of splitting the carries right now, um, Tawi Walker and Marcus Major. I think that uh, you might have put in here Walker is currently kind of day-to-day. They're not sure if he's going to play this weekend. Yeah, they've got a couple guys banged up. Uh, Walker's one of them. I do think that he's going to play, but they are kind of nursing his injuries. There's a couple guys on defense that I'll talk about too that are having some issues, but I expect all three to play. Yeah, so, I mean, this – this uh, offense they they run is it's pretty balanced. I mean they're they're a little little pass heavy just because they have so much talent. But right now, I mean even with these these running backs who they aren't bad, they're just not getting that many carries. But their their average per per carry is is pretty high. But you also have a a, a quarterback who's like third in overall rushing and not far behind the number two guy. So. Uh, I would definitely expect a, a solid ground game um, to complement their their above average, far be far above average offense uh, in the air. So, speaking of that, uh, two wide receivers that are going to stand out are going to be the wide receiver Farouk and Stoops. Uh, you want to talk about them a little bit, John? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, they're they're very RPO heavy. Uh, Tim, remind me. At WVU at the time, were RPOs as big as they are now, or was that something that uh, kind of developed during that time? I can't remember. Um, they had their place. Uh, we still, we, you know, we had them, but it was more. I think now they're they're a bigger thing than than they were. But you know, they've always been there. But yeah, it's definitely a little different than it was. It seemed like WVU relied more on play action, especially in the shotgun, because I can remember a lot of fakes to the running back and then very quick slant routes. Um, so it seemed like play action was bigger than RPO is obviously the thing. Now um, two wide receivers to look out for here. Uh, Farouk and Stoops Stoops is the guy who like no one is talking about. Everybody talks about Farouk uh, Stoops has 52 receptions, 528 yards and six touchdowns. That guy I mean, he puts up numbers. Farouk obviously is very good. 33 receptions, 547, two touchdowns. And the last guy that no one's talking about who's a redshirt freshman is Nick Anderson. This guy is the home run threat that this offense has. He has eight touchdowns and averages 24 yards every time he touches the ball. Now, the good news is that usually when it comes to RPO offenses, there's a lot of throws and checkdowns to the to the running backs. That doesn't happen as much with Oklahoma. I think combined, the running backs have about 20 catches, uh, which is not substantial in, in that offense. Here's the other, I, I guess, the, the bad part about that. You kind of mentioned that the quarterback uh, is able to get out, get outside the pocket, extend the pocket, and to even take off running has eight touchdowns uh, you know, on the ground. Their interior offensive line, I went back and I watched because I always love to see in college what type of offensive lines each you know college has. Their interior offensive line is extremely good, probably the most underrated interior in the Big 12. Their guards are two of the fastest pulling guards have to be in the country, and they pull a 
lot. Now, Tim, you were a tight end. Uh, did you did you have to do a lot of pulls, or was that mostly for the interior linemen? Uh, that was more for the interior linemen. Uh, we didn't do that, but um, it's something our guards did a lot, and Dan Moses did really well, yeah. even at center when he had to. And it's it, it was some devastating plays watching those guys do that. And Jeremy Sheffy, you know, a, a, another great lineman, and was a devastating force, you know, in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, people often don't talk about pulling guards. Like, in my opinion, that's what makes you money in the NFL is whether or not, obviously, can you stand in the trenches and do those things, but can you go the extra mile and take off like you have to? And pulling is like such an art, in my opinion, when it comes to interior offensive line, because, I mean, something as simple as getting around the other offensive linemen is extremely (laughs) hard. So watching Oklahoma do that, with ease like if look if you, if anyone's going back and watching these games go look at Oklahoma against Oklahoma State yeah they lost but I'm telling you go go back and look it was it was great um yeah that's what I've got on the offensive side of the ball Brandon do you want to add anything there uh no I think I think we could pretty much touched on everything the, the major people to look at and and what to kind of look for as far as their game plan and and uh, kind of what we're going to be facing here in just uh, a few days uh, we can move on to the defense, Sweet. though, and this is uh, kind of the Venable's way is they generally are going <laughs> to have a pretty solid defense. I mean, that's kind of where he came from, and um, he right now they're seventh in the Big 12 as far as a total defense goes. They're giving up around 382 yards a game and about 20 points, roughly. Um, I will say that their their points per game is slightly skewed because their first three opponents, they barely scored any points at all. Um the mm-hmm. last few games, they've had pretty close games. It goes for the offense, too. I think the offense, you know, their stat is something like 30, 38 or 40 points a game. But realistically, in the Big 12, it's more like 30 to 34 points a game. Um, but, yeah, so Venables is top three defensive coaches in the country. And, and John, I'll let you get more into the scheme because I know you're, you're big on the, the defensive scheme stuff, uh, way bigger than I am on it. Well, look, and I guess that's the, uh, I don't know, the ADHD in me. I really like to know what these guys run. Uh, Venables is historically a 4-3 guy, but we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and we compared Iowa State to a 3-3-5 when really we should have been calling it a 3-3-3, which is what Iowa State always runs. That's like their code. It really is kind of a 3-3-5, but they call it a 3-3-3 three down linemen, three linebackers, three safeties, and two corners. That's where the big difference is that they play three safeties. Now, Oklahoma does this a lot. They do the three down linemen. They do the three linebackers. But they also mix in three corners, two safeties, you know, four corners, one safety. You see the rotation. Their rotations are very good. Here's the problem that they have, though. If we can play crossing routes, especially across the middle, or a quick slant, they are very vulnerable. Their linebackers tend to rush. They love to bring at least two linebackers, especially when they have three down. Uh, They also really, really like to kick their defensive ends. And what I mean by that is they don't bring their defensive ends uh, in a rush. They allow them to drop back and get into passing lanes. So it gives you a little bit of time, but you, the guards and especially Frazier are going to have to play extremely well this game or Garrett's going to get killed. Like that's the basics of this. Um, if they do play well, though, you're going to have the ability to get upfield very quickly. Uh, Tim, I don't know much about your history, obviously, before WVU. Uh, did you play 
any defense? Uh, I'm sure you did probably in high school or anything. Uh, do you have, do you have any fond memories of being on the defensive side of the ball? Defense is why I got recruited for West Virginia. I, oh, that's right. Uh, was, defensive end. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was an all-state defensive end and went to the North-South game. And that was that was my thing. You know, I played defensive end. So defense is by far has a special place for me. And, you know, to me, that was something that we we always set the tone. The defense was it. Like, you know, that they can't win if they can't score. It was that kind of that simple. <laughs> and I, pr- I prided myself on, you know, people practice for me you know, in high school, that was my, like, I wanted them to know I was there and I made sure they did. And that's the kind of attitude a defensive player has to have. You can't be passive. You almost have to be, you know, a little violent, a little crazy and, you know, want to bring, you know, pain, literally. <laughs> Fan, yeah. Uh, fantastic take there. Now, when you played defensive end, uh, were you, were you a big rush defensive end? Did they ever have you drop, uh, drop out in coverage? How did they do that? Cause I know high schools now are different. Um, than probably they were even then. Uh, you know, what was your role then? Um, yeah, I would drop back if we had a team that we were coming into that, you know, would like to pass a little bit. It all depend on situational and, you know, where we were. Uh, I stood up a lot occasionally, depending on if we were, you know, getting close to the goal line. I'd, you know, get down, move over, move a defensive tackle out, and I'd put my hand in the dirt. But for the most part, I stood up as a defensive end. And, uh, you know, we ran against a lot of teams who ran the ball a lot. So, you know, my goal was no one, no one ever got outside of me. Wasn't letting it happen. Pushed everything back in, and <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure they knew they had to run the ball the other way. I'd be bouncing back and forth from one side to the other just because they were running away from me. And then, you know, we'd switch or do a stunt and to try to get me in a position where they didn't know I was. And that was always, you know, one of the things I had to do. But occasionally, I dropped back. But for the most part, it was I was keep contained and stop the run and, you know, shed whoever's in front of me. And if they drop back, I mean, every time I was, I was in the backfield, if they tried to pass. So, you know, it was, I prided myself on making sure the guy in front of me was worried the entire game and knew that he was getting hit in the face every single play. Well, you bring up a good point there. And Brandon, I took some, I took some heat. I didn't tell you about this. I took some heat for being tough on our defensive ends. Okay. Uh, for people here in Parkersburg. So I'm glad that I have a former All-State defensive end on this show right now because I got to ask, you mentioned the key word here, okay, that this is what I took heat on. The job, a one of the massive roles of a defensive end is to contain. Is that right, Tim? 100% because they get Thank outside you. of you. It's it's literally uh, them and the end zone and the safety who's praying he can catch them or stop them, and you know that's it. And if they can't get outside, the only place to go is the back into everybody else on your team. Exactly, and you've got to even contain the edges. I mean, for you, I'm sure as a guy who obviously you know brought some heat, you still have to know exactly where you are on that field. And I think that that's what uh, people kind of lose track of is we have this belief now, I mean, NFL is really kind of heavy on it, but it seems like people think defensive ends are just like these bull rush guys. And if they don't get to the quarterback, they're not doing their job, but that's not the case, right? No, not at all. I mean, I, you have to, you have to keep contained, but then also if you're trying to get kicked out, you don't want to move from where you are. If I can't, if they couldn't move me, even though they're hitting me, if I did not give up one inch and kept my shoulders, you know, parallel to the line of scrimmage, didn't give them a surface to block, that changed their whole play. Now you have their blockers 
run it like the running backs running into the back of their own linemen. And then it's just a big old pile up and you didn't even make a tackle, but you caused the tackle just because nothing, nothing got moved. So I prided myself on shrinking down that line and shoving their blockers into the backs, into the backfield and, you know, letting them tackle their own people. (laughs) See, I just love when we get someone on the show who knows what they're, what, you know, what knows what they're talking about has played the position before and can break it down that easily. I love it. There is a uh, a guy you might be interested in on Oklahoma's defense there, Tim. His name is Ethan Downs. He's the weak side defensive end. They always they always put him on the weak side. They rotate him very well. He has four and a half sacks. Now, were you a rotation or were you just a purely right left? How did you break down on your defense? Um, I would stay. I like to stay right. That's the I I felt comfortable. That's how I could play both. But if we had a team that was, you know, a big threat to the outside, if I was on the short side, I would go, you know, move them over, switch sides. It was kind of, you know, up to me. But if they weren't really a threat outside, I stayed on my side. But I really, they usually put me on wherever the most threat was. So, but that usually resulted in them still running the other way. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Ethan Downs, four and a half sacks. That guy is is a top five weak side defensive lineman. Uh, in the country. Danny Stutzman, he is a linebacker. Now he's one of the guys I told you about, Brandon, who is day to day. Yeah. Uh I pointed I pointed a guy out at UCF. I called him a TFL machine. I'm gonna call this guy a TFL machine as well. Eleven and a half tackles for loss. Again, it's one of those stats that is so underappreciated because we always look at stats like sacks. That's the biggest stat we all look at, which everybody's guilty of. But the TFLs are what you want to look at when it comes to a linebacker because that's that's showing they have a complete game. Uh, last guy I want to mention is defensive back Billy Bowman. Dude is a ball hawk. He's got two picks in his in the last two games. He's got four picks overall and returned one for a tutty. So uh, Garrett's gonna have to be careful with the ball this game. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um... Sorry about that. I uh, I'm trying to look up some 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 stats on this last week's. I think that did Farouk run back. Um, sorry, this is kind of off topic. I guess special teams. Did Farouk run back a, a touchdown last week, or was that the week before? No, he 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 doesn't. I don't think he has a touchdown at all this year. I thought that he was the one on special teams that was uh, returning the punts and the kicks. Uh, I'm looking at his stats right now. He doesn't have any return touchdowns. He has 15 returns for 321, 21.4 average. Um, so, you I mean, he's a good return man. Yeah, so I think that's – I mean, I know that Neil Brown kind of touched on it a little bit, so I wasn't sure if he actually had a score. Um, but – No, I just – I think he just – he can take off is, is what Neil was saying. Yeah, he um... – I mean, we know that he's a, da- a threat just from watching the offense side of the ball. But, yeah, just sorry to, to – Oh, Gavin to... Freeman. Gavin Freeman. That's Freeman. the guy who returned okay. one. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. I, I was thinking that it was some someone the last yeah. couple weeks. Freeman's but... the punt guy. He's punt, and then Farouk is kick. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry to segue straight to special teams. But, um, 
uh, yeah, I was looking up. Well, that I mean, we got a, hey, we got a long snapper on this on this show right now. <laughs> I know. I think special we, teams we win respect, championships, guys. That's right. We respect special teams on this podcast. Yes, we do. <laughs> Chickers are important. But, well, yeah. and yes, they are, Tim. And I want to get your opinion right here. Uh, their kicker is having a tough year. All right, he's he's great at extra points, but he's he's only got a sixty six percent. Makeability is what I call it. Make it made up word. Uh, Ten of fifteen. He, he's struggling a little bit. I watched him kick a few times, and he—I don't know if he's got a little hitch or what. How do you make as like a? I don't know if you ever had a young kicker, but how do you make a kicker more comfortable? Is that part of the job of a long snapper? Is making sure they're comfortable? Oh yeah. I mean, to put it short, like Coach Rod would look at me and, in reference to McAfee, and look at me and say, "Hey, go get your boy." You know, if he was getting nervous or had a problem. So, yes, the long snapper is kind of like, you know, the pitcher and catcher in baseball, how that, yeah. that relationship. And with, the young, with younger kickers, part of it is, you know, yeah, they, they can kick. You get in the game, and if you mentally can't, you know, rein it in, get comfortable and do your thing, if you're off just a little bit, you know, you're kicking a field goal, it, it, you're higher chance you're going to miss it and because you're going to change from what you're comfortable with. Like my job, it's the same. You know, field goal distance was the same, but was the same. I did great practice. Why couldn't I go in the game and do it? Something changed in my head. And that's kind of what you know, the problem this kid's probably running into. He, you know, he's, you know, sit down, focus, and figure out what he can do to calm himself down and do what he does. He's starting for a reason. He obviously doesn't practice. So what's going on when, you know, he's on TV and the crowd's watching? Great point. You know what, Brandon? We kind of committed a sin earlier. I just realized it. Oh, no committed uh, we might have made the football gods mad we must repent uh we forgot to ask tim what he thought of our special teams oh, oh. my goodness <laughs> not a mention not a mention of special teams oh my oh. atlanta let's let's circle oh. back real quick since we're on special teams tim do you have any thoughts on the special teams for wvu i do um i'm not gonna <laughs> lie I have, I, I have a few thoughts um they're not they're not bad, not bad. Though my biggest thing, just to make it, you know, a short uh, segment of it, is, you know, being confident in it, but also being disciplined. Some of the mistakes that have happened on special yes. teams are not things that should be happening in Division One football. Running into your returner is the first one that comes to mind, and that <laughs> is something that just should not happen. So WV special teams are good; they just have to stop making. You know, there's another term for it, but I'm going to, like, you know, can't say it on here. The high school <laughs> mistakes. You know, yep. that's yeah. something you see on Friday nights, not on Saturdays. That's great. Great point. The, and look, I, I'm sure that you've noticed this, too. I, I have harped on this. Brandon has harped on this. When this team loses, when WVU loses games, you can go back and see that they were a very undisciplined team. When they win games, you can see that they make the correct rotations. They're doing the things that they're supposed to do. They're containing, like we talked about earlier. They're playing disciplined football. It, you said it right there, Tim, and I think it's a great point. You have to be extremely disciplined on special teams. It is that, and that's the role you play is discipline. That's one hundred percent. And there's two words that kind of people, the average person, doesn't think about when it comes to special teams: is hidden yardage. That's the, that's the secret. You know, you, 
you have a punt return for 60 yards. That doesn't get added up into your total offense. You have a punter who's dropping 60-yard bombs five times in the game. That's 300 yards of hitting offense. That adds up. So now that defense has to gain 300 more yards to score a touchdown. It sets up the, de- the, the other team's offense for a much larger struggle to score points. So when your special teams isn't on, you put more pressure on the other sides of the ball. And that's subsequently what happens. I am no mathematician, Brandon. Uh, and it's part of the reason why I became an attorney. But that seems like a lot of yards, if you ask me. What's your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 with Tim on that. You can tell the games that we do well generally are the games that we have good special team performance. And I'll never forget the years of Dana and and DeForest when our special teams was oh, literally DeForest. there couldn't have been a worse unit in in the in the country probably. But um, you know, Dana's offense has always kind of shined and but when we lost games it was always because of special teams and I think that that you're right that there's so much that you can gain from having a solid special teams unit and overall i mean our specialists are are pretty good it's just our, our overall units just seem like they're coming along and and having a little hiccups there's but there's been a lot of of turnover too with certain people that have been injured and and everything so there's some young guys playing out there i mean we had which he made a huge play this last weekend but uh, DJ Oliver who's like the fourth string freshman running back He's like 5'9", 5'10", 240. He's a wrecking ball. Runs downfield and, and makes the play on the guy to, to, on the on the kickoff. And it's like maybe a three or four yard return. So he, he, he fields the ball and gets to like the 18 yard line or something like that. And this dude comes out of nowhere and he's a freshman. So we've got really young players playing out there, which is part of the part of the, the issues we've seen. But at the same time, it's it's really promising whenever – you know, I feel that our team as a whole has a lot of very young players right now. Fair point. That's a, a very fair point. Um, I, I think that, and it's funny, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was the reason that he made that tackle, Brandon, is because CJ let it slip how fast he is. Oh, I know. We so just talked the, about it. That, that's, the, you know, that's the guy we talked about. Uh you know, and CJ let it slip and he was like, look, secrets out, pal. Time to me. I'm going to put the jets on and make this tackle. And he did. That's a yeah. big boy running yeah. that speed too. Yeah. Tim, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, CJ said in the interview last week that DJ Oliver, who's a freshman running back that I just was talking about, hit 22 miles per hour on GPS in practice. 240. Yes, I did hear about that. Pounds. <laughs> Holy yep. man, that That's a lot of meat. Yeah. And uh, in pads. Most likely, yeah. or a helmet on at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did what'd you hit? Like twenty four, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I, tr- I tried to keep it under thirty. I'll tell you on. on yeah, that... that's probably good. Don't want to get a ticket <laughs> on that. <laughs> on that fake pun, I swear you probably hit about forty five. You were you were so oh, hard I, down yeah. the field. <laughs> I had to. I mean, that was I had to take that guy out, and it worked. And maybe plus you know, adrenaline. Times like one thousand. Yeah, yeah, they should have gave you the ball. You just scored two touchdowns by the time he hit first down. <laughs> you were gone. Oh, that is, that's so. Uh, I mean, you guys saw it. I love it. That's you're you're hundred percent right. I, I laughed at myself when I watched it. Oh, it's. I mean, you did your job, man. It's fantastic. So fast too. It's like that's the that every long snapper should wa- have to watch that as like an orientation on 
getting down the field. Yeah, I mean, every player ever <laughs> hey, that's should t- have to watch that because it's it's the the moral of it is don't give up on the play, no matter what the game yeah. plan is. Do your job. Yep. Hey, that was two hundred and seventy pounds running there. <laughs> two. Two seven. All right, Derrick Henry. We get we see you. We we see you, Tim. Titans are going to be calling here soon. Oh, I'll, I'm a thick jewel for that now. <laughs> I don't know. Tom Brady's still doing it, right? Or no, he's not anymore. But... Oh, that's, no, no, no. Yeah. It, it goes. Hey, it goes. Phil then Tom. I'm sticking to it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, if Phil was still playing, he'd be our impact player of the week. But he's not, unfortunately. <laughs> so. <Yeah>. so <laughs> He'd be the impact player every single week, if you ask me. Speaking of the impact Brandon, player of the week. <laughs> yeah, who who we got? Who we got? This is a guy that I've been really excited for ever since I saw him suit up for the first time last spring. His name's Jaheim White. You guys probably heard of him at this point. Uh, he is he's a, a difference maker, and I'm so glad that he's maturing and he's, and he's coming into his own as a true freshman. He's getting a lot of touches in the games. They're going to start utilizing him more now. Um, you know, they had a lot of the, some issues with development and, and lining up correctly and things like that that Neil Brown touched on. But it, it seems that it's paying dividends that he's kind of stayed the course and, and uh, decided to take this seriously as a freshman. Yeah, he will uh, – I mean, look – obviously we don't know about Oliver. He is super fast. We saw that on the, the, you know, tackle white is the fastest guy I've seen on the field for WVU this year. And we, we've talked about CJ struggling a little bit on, you know, finding the hole that gets opened up. He tends to make a, you know, rash decision, the you know wrong way. Sometimes Jaheim's not doing that. He's hitting the holes that are created by this offensive line. And, they're big enough for a tractor trailer to run through. So, I mean, it's not, shouldn't be hard for him to find him, but he is statistically the closest thing we have to Ollie Gordon. He's the guy, in my opinion, who should take the load this game. Uh, CJ, obviously great player should still be on the field, um, but he should be used more in the passing game. And as an extra blocker when they bring heat uh, just based off his size. But, I have not advocated the, for this once all season. I don't think I've ever advocated for this while CJ's been on the team, but CJ should be uh, the backup role player running back this game, uh, and White should be the guy. Tim, have you watched uh, Jaheim? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree. You guys are spot on, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah, super fast. Dude, that dude, you could tell, has played running back for a long time. Um, and if he hasn't, he's fooling me because he is that good. <laughs> uh, and, and like I said, CJ is a big boy. He obviously played tight end. Look, him and Tim both could be running backs. <laughs> I've, I've heard about Tim's speed, uh, and you can't prove it wrong because none of y'all were gunning him. So he probably hit 40, and that's what we're sticking to. Uh, <laughs> 40 MPH, that's what Tim's nickname was. Yeah, or that or the fridge, whichever one you want to go with. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were the fridge and Owen was the runaway beer truck. So there you it go. worked out perfectly. Uh so yeah, White should be the guy this game. Uh and he's the guy, like I said, when they bring heat, if you can run a counterplay and get him quickly up the field, he may break one. Yeah. 
I mean, he's due. I mean, it was so close. He's definitely last due. Week. Yeah. A couple of times. It's like one tackle away. I mean, even though there was the, we were back on like maybe like our own 10 and he almost broke for, it was, he was one tackle away from having a 90 yard touchdown run. I mean, hopefully I would imagine yeah. he's not getting gassed, but 90 yards, he, he was, he was gone if he breaks that last tackle. Yeah. He would have been super tired or at least I would have been. Watching yeah. him run ninety yards—that seems it's tiring. Watching him play, you gotta Tim, look left. I look did right. watch Tim run ninety yards on a on a punt though once. <laughs> I did. Too. I don't know. And, if and I wasn't even out of story. breath. I was good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, holy I, I moly, this it. guy. Yeah, he ran ninety yards. <laughs> oh, ninety yards the fastest Georgia. ninety yards you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, you ran forty five up, forty five back. You never saw him. <laughs> Dude is quick. That dude's got feet. I've read the scouting reports. I know Tim. Oh hey, I don't like to brag, but I mean, you read them. You read them. I'll, I'm on our I'll good. do it for you. I'll do it for you. <laughs> That's great. Well, John and Tim, it's that time of the day. <gasps> We're going to talk about our favorite part of the of the show. Favorite. So and- good. And the name that keeps on changing <laughs> every week. <laughs> every week so far, I am. It's time for Big Picks with Big John. Oh, he cheated. He, he <laughs> said that. He said he was going to use it last week. Cheater. All right. I expect All right. a new one. I expect a new one next week. <laughs> All right. For every for, week. <laughs> yeah. For the rest of the time, I have to figure out how to describe yep. this, this yep. segment. <laughs> at some point it's at some point it's just gonna be like bp with bj like it's just gonna be just obnoxious like letters that you just come up with uh to the point where we're gonna have to shut this entire program down yeah <laughs> uh so we got our first game up it's texas tech versus kansas kansas is a three and a half point favorite all right so i'm just grabbing my phone here real quick <laughs> oh Hello? Who is it? Hey, 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 Vegas? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, it's just, it's me, John, your, your bud from West Virginia. Yeah, I just, uh, I just kind of tell you real quick. Uh, I appreciate the free money. Who is making this line? Someone tell me. Texas Tech barely has a pulse. Kansas is running through everybody with a backup quarterback. They don't even care at this point in Kansas, right? It, it, it is no longer, uh, you know, Kansas, the Owen 12 team, like this is Kansas for real. I'm slamming three and a half and I'm, I'm calling everybody and telling them to do the same. We're going to bankrupt Vegas this week. Yeah. That's, that's an absurd. Uh, I, they're at Kansas too. So, you know, the Lubbock is a pretty hard place to play, but this is at Kansas. I don't They ain't in Lubbock. They ain't in Lubbock. So I'm not really sure where unless I'm missing some some injury reports where the whole Kansas offense is off the field. I think that this is uh definitely free money this week. Three and a half for Kansas. Turns out they have eleven players. The entire <laughs> team is has quit. All eleven uh are going to play both sides of the ball. Tim, uh you got a pick here? Uh I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go Texas Tech. Ooh, Texas Tech. You know, I, 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 I like to cause problems. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, we're putting Tim down for Texas Tech. Can't wait to tell you how wrong that was next week. Hey, I'm, I'm about uh, <laughs> two, I'm two miles from the DraftKings Sports Bar. I'm going to head down there and put these picks in for us. Oh, All right, awesome. perfect. 
<laughs> All right, next game up, we've got Baylor versus Kansas State. Kansas State is 20.5-point favorite as of today. Um, I'll take this one first. Uh, this is, I think, a very fair line for Kansas State. Uh, 20 and a half points. I, I do think this is one of those games, though, that if you wanted to, to kind of to, you know, make a little money on a, on a, on a scary bet, maybe, maybe throw Baylor in there as the underdog just because it's 21 points and it's the Big 12. But um, I think that Kansas State covers this. They, they looked pretty good the last few weeks. I hate this line. <laughs> I don't like any line in the Big 12 that's over 17. Like, that's always my threshold. Yep. Uh, simply because Kansas State is not known for their offense. They have a great defense. Uh, and on offense, they struggled last week. I'm taking, I'm taking Baylor plus 20 and a half just because I, I think that they probably scored 21 points, and that's going to be enough to keep it within 20 and a half, in my opinion. Tim, what do you got? Oh, you know what, Big John? You have a very, very, very good point, and I agree with you on the line. So uh, if I was going to have to throw down on it, I'm going to have to go with, uh, you know, your pick as well. I mean, it's, it's, I, I agree. I see it happening, and, you know, we're going to find out. But, you know, more than 17, you're right. It's, it, it kind of bothers me, and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's just tough. It's tough. And Baylor, look, yeah, they've, they've had their issues, but they're not, they're not inept. Like, they can, they can do something. So I, I think that they at least put up something and I, I don't I'm not super impressed by Kansas State's offense, to be honest. All right. So next one, Brandon, what we got? We got Oklahoma State versus UCF. Oklahoma State's a two and a half point favorite. Oh my oh my god. Um I have my dog on my lap right now. Uh and he <laughs> he and I we actually just had a conversation about uh getting on the horn to Vegas. Because if you thought Kansas versus Texas Tech was free money, have I got something for you? Oklahoma State minus two and a half. Who, who hurt? Who hurt whoever made this line? So somebody hurt somebody when they made this line. There's no way. I'm calling it. Mark it down. Clip this. I don't care. There's no way Oklahoma State doesn't win this by at least nine points least so i'm doing an alternative spread i'm going minus eight for oklahoma state even more probably i don't know who did this but ring ring please answer i got some thanks to give <laughs> yeah it's this is a strange matchup because you're talking uh, arguably one of the best running offenses in the nation right now versus probably one of the worst rushing defenses in the big 12 and they're going to say three points. Uh, I think I'm going to slam slam the uh, minus two and a half for Oklahoma State. That just seems like free money. Incredible. Incredible. Well, that makes three of us. I mean, you guys you guys are yeah. spot on. I mean, that says it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I don't see them scoring anything, you know, less than, you know, 10 or more. Right. Uh, next yeah. game we've got. That. <laughs> we've got Cincinnati. Versus Houston, oh. minus two and a half for Houston. All my friends, all my friends in Cincinnati hate my guts now because I've picked them zero times. And you know what, Brandon? That's going to change week, today. <laughs> this week, today, right now, through your ears, 
It doesn't change. I'm going Houston <laughs> minus two and a half. We're not, we're making no, no changes here. Cincinnati, uh, great program. It's just not their year. Uh, Dana loves bad teams because it makes them finally look good. I've got them winning by at least six. Yeah, I'm going to go on the flip side. I'm going to appease your Cincinnati friends, and I'm going to say Cincinnati <laughs> I like it. finally has a chance against Ooh. probably, I would say, bottom three Houston team. And I think that uh, Cincinnati is going to play good enough defense to, to shut down Houston and keep the score close, and I think they're going to cover. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Brandon. Uh, I, there's no way either way. I don't care if the – Lon was worse than that. I'm still picking Cincy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It hurts me every time to pick Houston. Uh, you, that's, I think, you got it. You called I, me out. That's I, exactly yeah. why. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think at some point too, like Cincinnati probably will steal a win. I am just so scared that it's going to be against us. Uh, so I hope that Cincinnati wins because I think that that means that they've got really, you know, they're charged back up for a few more to, losses. Yeah, like nothing. Yeah, nothing else to give at that point. But uh, and I, I kind of want to see the hair on the sidelines flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> Every, everyone loves a good fire, um, fire Dana chant. So let's 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 get Cincinnati going this week, boys. Um, next game up, we've got Texas versus TCU. Texas is a nine and a half point favorite. I mean, wow. I, I think, uh, I, you know, I picked wrong last week. I, I thought TCU was going to turn the corner and show us what the offense <laughs> has, has, was supposed to look like, but they didn't. And I'm going to have to uh, take that back now, and, and I'm, I'm going to back Texas on this one. I think that Texas is going to cover nine and a half points. They've just looked pretty good. I mean, even last week, the, the, the close game, they – they uh they still looked good and TCU doesn't have a lot to offer right now. Yeah, uh, look, I am not a fan of the uh backup quarterback at Texas. I don't think that he's got much. He's got plenty for TCU. So even if Ewers doesn't play, I think Texas wins this game by at least 10 points. Uh I'm taking Texas. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I actually like this line. It seems like you know no one was hurting anybody when they when they made this. I'm going Texas. As well. Yeah, yeah. I think it, honestly, I think it's a very fair line. Um, and don't be surprised too. Like, if you're a betting person, probably try to get this in quick because if Ewers is announced as the starting quarterback, that line's going up. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our penultimate pick is going to be Iowa State. Versus BYU, who we're very familiar with. Iowa State is minus six and a half. Ooh, it's at BYU, right? Yeah, in Provo. In Provo. Is it a night game? Oh, boy. Because the they love out. night games. <laughs> hey, let me just say real quick. That Actually, it's a very we, night game. It's a, it's I knew a, it. 10 p.m. Yeah, it's 10, 15 Eastern time. I just, I guess that. I guess that. It's because they get their four-hour nap from four to eight they get there afterwards they have like their pudding pops and then they get on the field it's perfect timing for all of those men and their pensions and everything else that they've been given over the last 20 years while playing for byu their letterman jackets falling apart uh you know their wives are sewing it back together because they've been there forever um good for them byu before i make this pick i want to say byu very classy 
uh, of them. They carried out WVU's flag. They also stayed on the field after the win and actually did take in like them, you know, the crowd singing country roads and then celebrated with their fans for being there. So I think that they are a very, very classy, you know, school when it comes to those types of things. Unfortunately, class doesn't win football games nowadays. So I've got Iowa state minus six and a half. I'm, I'm taking them. I just think Iowa state's defense is too good. Uh, BYU, I think is probably still going to, I don't really think it matters what quarterback is in there. Uh, against a really tough Iowa State team. Uh, I think Iowa State wins this by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I have two points of view on it. I kind of want to see BYU win the rest of their games, um, just for our sake. But, you know, the the more rational side of me definitely says Iowa State. But in the background, I'm, you know, I want to be at home rooting for, you know, BYU. But if I'm betting, I'm I'm on Iowa State. Yep, that's that's exactly where I am. Well, guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I'm going to go ahead and just take BYU. I'm not going to say that BYU is going to win. Oh. <laughs> but. Is this a night game? Is it because it's a night game? Tell me it's because it's a night game. I can't even use that stat anymore because we found out that that stat's really skewed. But all, all of the criteria is being met right now. And it's a November game at night in Provo. And so you're B- saying perfect storm situation. Oh, yeah. Perfect I mean, storm. And, yeah. and they're coming off. The, and I don't, we don't know the quarterback situation. I haven't really dug into it yet. But I think if, if they're starting the Jake from State Farm again, like, I think that the B- BYU, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to have some, some time under his belt, got some, some real uh, playing time against a D1 opponent. And I think that uh, they cover. Uh, and I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and extend it and say that money line BYU. I'm taking money line on BYU. All right. Wow. I know. All right. Wow. Confident man. I like man. this. Look, what do you think you'd bet on that, Brandon? Probably like what? 10 bucks. Well, my current situation is, is just Venmo me 10 bucks now. Cause you might as well give it to a friend other than Vegas. If I, if I give it to a friend, I'm going to give it to our, our close near and dear friend who said that BYU isn't that bad. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Well, look, uh, BYU, I'm not joking. They are the most senior team in the big 12, right? Based <laughs> off number of years. By that literal been. age. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, it's insane how they put out 22 doctors, lawyers, uh, and scientists onto the field. Cause they've been there getting, uh, they all have doctorates, I'm sure, because they've been there for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Uh, so it's incredible what they're doing. Unfortunately, I think age is getting to them and slowing them down against these young whippersnappers. Uh, and <laughs> Iowa State is going to roll. Alrighty. So for the final pick of the night, we've got WVU Man, versus I would, I Oklahoma. Crap, I'm crapping on BYU, and I like them. I like they're nice. They're nice <laughs> people. They're great. Like the, I don't want people to think that I I I think their coach is fantastic, but. I love giving them a hard time just based off. I don't know how they keep all these kids eligible. <laughs> Good point. Incredible. Incredible. All right. Sorry, Brandon. No, it's fine. Last game is the obvious uh, WVU versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma is currently sitting as a 12 and a half point favorite. I have started too many of these, so I will. I'm going to take the last uh, uh, the last pick here. I want to hear explanation from two professionals. Okay, well, oh. as the professional, I'll let Tim go first. I was talking. Actually, I was talking about Tim. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So, you know, my my view on this, it's a little you know superstitious, but 
you know, I can never, for the life of me, in any situation, I don't care if we were playing uh, the Super Bowl champs, I, I, I'm I going WVU as a personal pick, and I'd even put money on them because I have all my faith, all my devotions in that team. I bled on that field. So I don't care if the line was, you know, 40 <laughs> for Oklahoma. I'm picking WVU all day because I just can't go against them. But, you know, Oklahoma's a great team. Uh, I, I think the line's probably accurate from what Vegas would look at. But my pick's WVU, um, and I, I'd, I'd throw down on it. Yeah, I'm Brandon, with Tim I don't here. Know, I, Brandon, before you make your pick, I just have to make a point here, real quick. Uh, as a lifelong WVU fan yourself, uh, you've, and just as a human, you've probably had moments where, you know, your body does something where you can't control it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as Tim was talking, it was just so crazy. My hand went over my heart, like I was about to say the Pledge of Allegiance. This guy's <laughs> got me ready to to go to war. Yeah, yeah. I'm, he I'm, bleeds, I'm... bleeds blue and gold. So I'm ready. 100%. 100%. I, I devoted years of my life and uh, full effort to that to that uh, school, and I will never turn my back. Right. That's right. All right, B-Will. Here we go. All right. Well, with that being said, I, I mean, I can't pick Oklahoma in this situation not after that speech. So <laughs> yeah, don't you dare. Don't touch that. <laughs> I know where you live, Brandon. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm forgoing the spread here. I'm forgoing the spread, and I'm just gonna. He's gonna. He's going. Money I'm just gonna bang the money line for it. WVU. I mean, that's free money, yeah. in my opinion. We're we're gonna I, we're, we're gonna throw one back. We're gonna take it in Norman, and we're gonna look up, and we're gonna point to the sky and look at Bill Stewart, and he's gonna say, "Great job, guys!" And I know, well, and I know that that uh, that that's that's gonna be the the storyline here at the end uh, with with Blaine and everything. So. I'm picking well, I got to throw one thing in there with with Coach Stu mentioned. If Coach Stu was in that locker room, he'd look at these boys and tell them it didn't matter who was out in that field. You're going to play them out in their way. You're going to play downfield. You're going to you're going to put a hat on the hat and remember that heroes get remembered, but legends never die. I'm going to need a new shirt because I just ripped mine off. I'm so ready, <laughs> ready for this game. All right. So look, there's spreads. There's money line. I don't care about any of it, okay? After listening to you get me pumped for this game, I'm not taking WVU for the spread. I'm not taking WVU money line. I'm taking WVU minus seven. I'm doing an alternative spread. I'm going WVU to win by at least seven points because I'm going to send what Tim just said straight to Neil Brown. He's going to put it all over the locker room. They're going to say, look, this former player led, led WVU to a win based off this fantastic speech that he gave on this random ass podcast. Here we go. WVU minus seven. They're winning by at least that. I love it. I'm here for it. Well, John, um, great show guys, Tim. Thank you so much for coming yes. on. We really appreciate it. Hey, not you. a problem. Uh, you guys are awesome. I'm, I love what you're doing keep it up i can't wait to see the, what the future holds for this podcast with you guys i as a former player i can i can't say nothing but thank you guys for what you're doing thank you look brandon it's it's been a good ride we might not top this episode yeah this is it's going to be our longest it's going to be our best but we love so, every minute of it until next thank time you. thank you tim 
And until next time, let's go.